0: Chris Willie, I think the quote isn't just "Whoever sings praise twice." Augustine. I think it's, "Whoever sings well praise twice." And everyone leaves that out because they just try to get their people to sing. But I say, "Whoever sings with a mask praise thrice." It's can- <laughs> ridiculous. All right. Uh, get used to the ri- ridiculousness. Um, Here's a question. What does God want with me? I mean, not just me individually, all of us. What does God want with me? What is he after? What does Jesus want from me? And how do we live our lives answering that question? Because I think a lot of times people live their lives as Christians as though God is out to get them. I better do the right things or God is going to get me. Meaning, you know, I'm going to end up in hell or, or something like that. People live their lives in fear, in relationship to God. Or they live in relationship to God as though he's Santa Claus. I don't want to be on the naughty list. I want to be on the nice list. Well, what does God want from us? You know, it's pretty clear from divine revelation, the scriptures, that God just wants to love us and wants us to love him back. And he wants to do it for eternity. That's what he wants. He wants all of us with him for eternity. How do we do that, though? Well, that's the hard stuff. I mean, it's easy, you know, to, to say and to hear that God loves us, loved us before we were ever born. Could not love us more than he loves us now. We can't earn his love. We can't earn more of his love. How, why is this? Because God is perfect. God. Everything God does is Perfect. So if we say God loves you, and he does love you, he loves you perfectly right now, and he loved you perfectly when you were 10, and he loved you perfectly even when you were just an idea in his mind, as it were. God can't love imperfectly. So God is already loving us perfectly. But he does ask of us certain things. And these things are ways that we return his love and live in freedom. Do you remember the, uh, do you remember the parable where, of the, uh, I think it was the king. I don't know. I'm not a scripture scholar, so don't, don't hold me to it. But anyway, the king has a wedding feast, and he invites all these people to the wedding feast. Jesus is telling the parable. He invites all these people to the wedding feast, and some showed up in grubby clothes. Remember, he threw them out. You're wearing your grubby clothes to a wedding, you get tossed. Well, what is that, you know, a uh, a metaphor for showing up to heaven without being purified. If we're going to live with Jesus Christ with the divine, you know, triune God for all of eternity, we have to become like God. We have to be purified. You know, this is where the whole idea even of, of purgatory originated in the early first century. The Christians believe this. Why did they pray for the dead? And we know they did. We know they prayed for the dead. We know in the Old Testament, Maccabees, they prayed for the dead. Well, if there was any purification yet necessary to make the deceased loved one like God, they're praying that the Lord would, would purify them. Because everyone knew from the beginning you can't show up to heaven if you're not dressed appropriately. If your soul is not like God, it doesn't fit. It doesn't belong. So the, the Christian life is not so much avoiding bad actions. You know, if I, if I were to ask somebody, you know, are, are you a good Catholic? I mean, the Catholic answer is always no, because, you know, because it's just in our, our, our minds that way. Am I a good Catholic? Probably not, you know, because we hold ourselves to a high standard. But, but oftentimes people will say, well, I haven't done anything really that bad. Okay, but that's not what God's after. I mean, that's what you're after when people are in a very young state of, of spiritual development. Stop doing the bad things. What God is after is that we're becoming people of a certain type. He doesn't want people in heaven who just didn't do bad things. He's looking for people in heaven who have become good souls, aided by his grace. And, and so we get this gospel, which is very—it's pretty strict, it's pretty severe. We cannot love anything or prefer anything over Jesus Christ. Not your mother, not your father, not your beloved. Nothing. Nothing, not even the Green Bay Packers. Even Vince Lombardi knew that. God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. I have a t-shirt. Nothing can come before Jesus Christ. Nothing can be preferred to Jesus Christ because in the end, every single one of us stand before Jesus Christ and He determines if we are fit for entry. And again, it's not about did I do a bunch of bad things and I can't get in? It's about have I become a son of God, a son or daughter of the Most High? Have I allowed God to transform me into one like him. And this is what he says when, he, when he's saying, take up your cross and follow me. Everybody he was, he was speaking to at that time understood to take up a cross meant to take up an instrument of capital punishment. Almost like take up your electric chair and follow me. I mean, that, that would be very much a parallel because the cross was for crucifixion. And so Jesus is saying, if you're going to be like me, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to suffer. That true life only comes through suffering. And and we know this, I think, from from our experience, that through suffering comes great insight, great personal development, I mean, no doubt, through suffering comes pain, but when we we look back on the suffering we've endured, very often we learn so much more through suffering and failure. We even have the adage about failure teaching us so much more than success. And God has created the universe in such a way that there is this, this dying and rising dynamic in everything, even in nature. Right, Even in nature, the, the acorn dies and becomes an oak. The caterpillar ceases to be and becomes a butterfly. And in Jesus Christ, the Lord God dies and becomes resurrected. And so too all of us. He doesn't end the sacrifice. He transforms it. And so the sacrifice and the sufferings we have to understand, are necessary for the transformation. Now, why does God do it that way? We don't necessarily know. But we know that he did it that way because he submitted to it himself, right? When he became man, he said, I'm not going to just leave you alone. I'm going to become one with you. And I'm going to take on to myself what all of you have to take on. that suffering and sacrifice. And I will... Transform it and show you all that it can be transformed for a greater good. So then, when we examine our lives, what does God want from me? He wants me to become like Him, He wants me to be holy. And this is absolutely clear from the scriptures. And the only way to become holy, the only way for something not holy to become holy, is to allow that person who is holy to make them holy. So the way to become holy, the path to holiness, is submission to God. Submit to God. Submit our wills, our will, our desires. Submit to God. Allow Him to be Lord of our lives. Listen for his instruction, his direction, his lead, and follow where he calls. He leads us to holiness, to perfection, to eternal life and true freedom. Please stand.